In this episode of Tim Talk, we continue discussing religious diversity in healthcare, now focusing on the religion of Islam. Thank you for joining us for Tim Talk. I'm Tim Dentry, President and CEO of Northern Light Health. Our purpose is to engage you, our listeners, and encourage you to open your hearts and minds to diversity. This month, we've been focusing on religious diversity and the role it plays in healthcare. We've been honored to have guests on our show to discuss Judaism, Christianity, and now Islam. Our featured guest is Omar Kante, the Community Outreach Coordinator for the Islamic Center of Maine in Orono. He is also a psychiatric clinician at Northern Light Acadia Hospital. Salam alaikum, Omar. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa Thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. So to begin with, could you share with our listeners a little bit about the Islamic Center of Maine and your role at the center? First of all, thank you for having me and thank you for this opportunity. And um, the little blurb that we just had there, Tim said to me, Assalamu alaikum, which means may peace be with you in Arabic. And I responded, Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. And I responded by saying, and may peace and blessings be with you as well in, in Arabic. Thank you for that. The Islamic Center of Maine, the freestanding building of the Islamic Center of Maine has uh, been there since 1999. As we are a small uh, Muslim community made up of a handful of families and individuals that are mostly professionals that are come to this part of the, the world, this part of the country in Maine for a temporary period of time, for a couple of years or a few months at a time, and they move on to other places. And our community is also made up of international students who um, come to the University of Maine for a degree program, whether it's a bachelor's degree, or so master's degree, or so PhD, and most of them also return. So our community is a pretty transient community. However, we do have a few permanent families that live here and work here for quite a bit of period of time. It's a community whose members are made up of at least a dozen different countries, including the United States of America. My role as a, the Islamic Center of Maine is to help connect and maintain contact with other communities of faith and other civic organizations in order to help build bridges of dialogue and understanding by sharing our faith with them and also them sharing their faith with us by learning who they are and them learning who we are in order to foster a goodwill within ourselves, in order to foster understanding and, and cooperation and by building these faith coalitions that allow neighbors to know uh, one another. The goal of this is born out of a scripture from our book that says, all mankind, we have created you from a single person, Adam alayhi salam, may peace be with him, in order that you may, we made you into different nations and different tribes and spread you out throughout the world, in order that you may know, come to know one another not that you may come to despise each other. So out of that scriptural belief that we have, we feel that it is necessary and it is vital for human beings to know one another. And we understand and we believe that distance creates fear. It creates suspicion and it creates tension. So therefore we believe that proximity to one another by understanding each other, by speaking to each other, by having this dialogue and breaking bread with each other creates care. Uh, for one another and empathy for one another and love for one another. And that is why we, we started the Islamic Center of Maine, not just for the worship of the Muslim community, but also to reach out to the broader community in, uh, in the hopes of coming to know one another. Thank you, Omar. You know, a love for one another, that's it. I'll talk in a little bit about the international experiences that I've had, which framed up so much of my 
my spirituality, my heart and soul and who I am as a person. And um, what I found is what we all have in common, not what we have opposed to one another. And what we have in common, no matter where I went in the world, it was a love for one another. So that's it. You, you said it. You said it all right there. And there's so much more we can talk about, though. So I'll keep going here. What are the biggest challenges for you in getting to know different communities and getting them to know your community? Well, first, I think we're all up, up against this notion that self-sufficiency, therefore, we don't need the other. I think in this day and age, by and large, you know, I don't necessarily need to go to my neighbor and ask for salt you know, or sugar, borrow salt or sugar from them. Therefore, we tend to feel that we are self-sufficient from and independent from others. So therefore, we don't need them on a day-to-day basis. And that creates distance between one another when we feel that we don't need each other. That is foremost the biggest challenge that we have is that people don't regularly come into contact with each other because of that separation of self-sufficiency that our current world created for most of us. And second, the biggest challenge that we have in doing this work is that we have to cut through all these enormous amounts of suspicion, misinformation, fear, anger, all the stuff that has been perpetuating out there for decades and decades and decades about the other, the other person. And that is, that's a lot of work to, to, to tear down those walls that have been built for such a long time. And dispelling fear, dispelling misinformation is a very difficult work. But we are grateful that we are in Maine, and Mainers are curious in, in, by nature. And that has been vital to the work that we do, that has helped us to be able to connect with people otherwise we will not be able to connect with. Mainers are very welcoming and very curious. And we, have to, we are tremendously grateful that we open our doors and people come in to talk with us, and they invite us to talk with them. So these two things have been the biggest challenge that we have, this notion that we don't need the other, and everybody stay in your own corners, and do what you do and not worry about the other person that creates again that fear and that suspicion because you don't know who that person is across from you however the other challenge as well as i said is this atmosphere that is so tensed that is built upon generation generations of fear and misinformation that we all have to dig through and shift through in order to get to better understand each other those have been the biggest challenges that we have so far. Yeah, great. We need one another that is now during this COVID time. And I started as the CEO of Northern Light Health right around the time that COVID you know, really began. And in, with all the effort, all the things that we've done in a really great way to take care of all the communities we serve, that's the universal truth. Once again, Omar, you put your finger on the universal truth, and that is we need one another. And if we think that we're so self-sufficient that we don't, we're creating distance. If we create distance, then this virus who doesn't care about any of our backgrounds or, or anything like that. So we need we need one another is the universal truth. And, you know, the other thing you made me think of, you said Mainers a couple of times. And so we all know the def, part of the definition of that is you got to be born here, you know. And so I've been here uh, going on five years, I guess. So I know I'm not a Mainer. I'm an adopted Mainer, maybe. I hope to be adopted. Uh, but you have a far longer uh, background here in Maine than I do. Could you just share with our listeners so they they get a if they don't know you they get a a, a deeper sense of you as a person from Maine. I am originally from Gambia, uh, the Gambia in West Africa, a small little tiny country of a 
couple million people. I moved here at uh, 14 years old. I had an uncle that lived here uh, for quite a while and he, for the purpose of coming here and going to school for education, he brought us here back in 1997. And shortly after the ice storm of 98 took place. So that was my introduction to Maine. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was something for us. But uh, we've been here ever since, uh, living here and working here and studying here in Maine uh, for 23 years now. It's really been a wonderful experience for me individually as a person. I can't speak of any other person's experience of being in Maine, but for me, it has actually been a wonderful experience. Um, I've always told people that my positive experiences in Maine far outweigh the negative experiences to the point that the negative ones are not worth speaking about in any way, shape or form. Uh, so it's been a wonderful ride being in Maine and it's every winter I dream about leaving and, uh, and the summer comes and I forget. <laughs> and it's been going on for a while. But that is my story in Maine. And uh, I've been part of this community and I've come to understand Mainers. And I hope I'll uh, be considered a Mainer now. I've been here for a couple of decades or more. Maybe on the 25th year, they'll formally adopt me as a Mainer. I'm not sure, but it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to, to, to say the least. That's great. Thank you for that personal uh, reflection, Omar. Really appreciate that. What might be on your mind right now that you'd like to ask me about? Well, we're in the holiday season. It's a big holiday season and everybody's celebrating and there's a lot of festivities in the air and, and rightfully so. And people should celebrate and, and uh, get together with family and friends, uh, except that in this COVID time, you know, keep it as distant and safe as possible. But my question to you is, it is easy for people who are not part of the holiday celebrations of the dominant culture or religion to feel lost during these times when these celebrations are present all around us. What can you do at Northern Light to address this so that everyone feels included and in, in their times of celebration as well? Yeah, thanks for that question. Part of my um, reflection on this is what I've learned and the way I was treated, and the way Maya Angelou's comment, it's how people make you feel that sticks with you. How the people of Ethiopia, where I lived and worked for two years, and how the people of Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, where I lived and worked for six years, um, how they made me feel. How they made me feel during my traditional celebrations of holiday times, and how they welcomed me into their celebrations. So in, in Ethiopia, it is a country of about 100 million people, and it's about half are Muslim and half are Christian. And I saw them uh, honor and celebrate each other's holy days, and they would give them space to celebrate their own holy days as well. Um, and I was, you know, invited to weddings, for example, in Ethiopia. And, you know, I was made to feel like a VIP. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to blend in. Uh, but it was their respect. And there they detected that I was somebody from away. And I was someone from a different culture. And they wanted me to feel comfortable in their celebrations because they're joyous at those times. And they're deeply reflective. And they wanted me to feel that and understand that. In Abu Dhabi, during Ramadan, I would gain 10 pounds uh, because I was, I was invited to iftars, you know, when they would break the fast at the end of the day. And I would go to, I don't know, four or five a week probably because my dear friends, 
my dear Emirati friends would say, hey, you know, Tim, let me, you know, come and be with my family or come and be with us and, and that kind of a thing. And um, I learned so much about their love of Allah, their love of family, their respect for one another, their humility. It was a great way that they welcomed me into their holiday celebration. So I understood more about them. So, so that's what I try to emulate in my life. That's what I've taught my children. That's what I try, I'm trying to do here at Northern Light Health is no celebration should happen in a way that makes someone else feel lesser, lesser cared for, lesser loved. Uh, so let's use it as a way to celebrate and to express that and not hold back. And so I, I hope that that's what you know, everyone can uh, begin to reflect on so that when we know other groups, other individuals are, you know, it, it's their holy time, great. Give them room and also show them, show them love and, and embrace them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for that reflection on that. And that's why I always say that one of the greatest gifts that I have as an American being here is that blue passport that allows me to be able to travel so freely and um, experience other cultures and think uh, that benefits something that most of us should take advantage of and uh, commend you for going around and seeing the world. It's a wonderful thing. You know, a, another reflection I have is it's a story. And it's something I like to, when you and I were talking about this, maybe you can complete the story for me. It's a story of Miriam. And so I'll, I'll, I'll explain this to, to our listeners and, and then you and I will join together to, to finish this story. So when it was one of the Christmas times over in the United Arab Emirates and my Emirati friends, my Muslim friends would send me uh, more Christmas presents and, you know, say Merry Christmas. And, you know, they, they really went out of their way to make me feel like it's okay to celebrate your, your holiday here. And I'll never forget a discussion with two men and two women. And they said, you know, Mary or Miriam is in the Holy Quran. And she's mentioned there many, many times. She's a very important figure in the Holy Quran. And I said, I did not know that. And, and like, what is the story? And they said, well, she was close to the time of giving birth and uh, she was tired and, and the like, and she was leaning against a, a palm tree, a palm date tree. And she said, she said a prayer, and Angel Gabriel, and most of us in, in the tradition I was raised in, we know Angel Gabriel, so the same angel, Angel Gabriel, said, here are three dates, and you'll, you'll finish this story for me because I learned from you when you and I talked about this. Here are three dates. And they dropped to the, to the ground. She picked them up and ate them. It gave her the uh, nutrition and the strength that she needed to give birth to Jesus. So would you finish that story? You, you said the story wonderfully. And so this is exactly the point of why we need this community outreach. We need people to get together and talk with, with each other, understand one, one another. Oftentimes we get this a lot when we do interfaith dialogues or with civic groups or other religious faith faiths that uh, especially with Christianity and Judaism, that people become very surprised to know that we do have a lot in common <laughs> of these faith traditions and the stories that are so common between us. And when they hear these stories from us, sometimes they're surprised that you 
also believe this type of stories? Do you believe in Mary? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? May peace be with them. Do you believe in the angel Gabriel? And they become quite surprised that, you know, you can see people perk up and sit up and start to pay attention more because now they're hearing something that is familiar to them as well. So the story of uh, Maria, may God's peace and blessings be upon her. It's also very familiar to us as Muslims. There's an entire chapter in the Quran named after Mary, actually. It documents the entire story of, uh, from our perspective, the entire story of Jesus, may God's peace and blessings be upon him, and the family of Jesus and the family of Mary or Maryam in, in the Arabic language. And that particular part of our story, as you said, is that when she conceived this child, and she was about to give birth. And this is a very difficult period of time for her. And that she was in, in our lexicon that she was actually wishing that she didn't exist because how difficult uh, this whole experience is for her. And then God in his mercy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his mercy, sent angel Gabriel from the seven heavens to her to comfort her and to instruct her to take hold of this date palm tree and shake it. And dates will fall to her lap and she would have this nutritious food to eat, to gain energy, to gain strength in order to carry out this important duty, the important job of giving birth to uh, Jesus Christ, may God's peace and blessing be upon him. And this story is something that is shared, you know, uh, amongst Muslims. We know this story as much as we know the story of Muhammad, may peace and blessing be upon him amongst, amongst us. So it's a wonderful story that um, when we share this with others and they get quite surprised that we believe in the same thing and uh, we have a lot more in common than we have in differences and with that we can become uh, good neighbors to each other yes thank you so much that that means a lot to me and i've i since you and i had that uh, conversation a few days ago i've actually repeated that to a few of my uh, my brothers and sisters and my children as well that that meant a lot to me omar absolutely thank you so, Omar, thank you for joining me here to continue this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And that will wrap up this episode of Tim Talk. Thank you to you, our podcast listeners, as well. Until next time, I'm Tim Dentry, encouraging you to listen and act to promote our culture of caring, diversity, and inclusion. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tim Talk. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please go to northernlighthealth.org slash podcast. We welcome you to join us when Tim will speak to James Varner, a longtime civil rights leader and community activist.